Gary, but... Oh, now it's recording. Oh, for fuck's sake. This is why we test the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why we test them. <laughs> Jewish Centre on the Sunday of Tabletop Scotland. I'm, this is Josh Hartley. I'm joined by Tom. Mannering, hello. And Ryan. Trotter, hello. Yeah. And Jamie from the Giant Brain is here as well. Apparently I am, I. Yes. Guest <laughs> appearance. Excellent. Uh, this was actually mostly a test recording. I might use it. I might not. We're going to go and irritate some people on the second day of the convention now that they're all tired. So wish us luck, dear listener, and uh, we will see you later. All right, I'm here at Tabletop Scotland, and we are here with uh, Andy Lawrence at DMB Games. Andy, how are you doing this weekend? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, yeah, fantastic, fantastic. It's the Sunday. We've been released from our ivory tower in the hay room uh, up on the convention floor. And DMB Games, you're one of the main sponsors for the convention this weekend. You've been here since year one, haven't you? Yeah, if I remember. Yeah, and we yeah. sponsors at year one. Yeah, we, we love the convention. It's a, it's a long way for us to come, come from, you know, from Essex all the way up here. Yeah. Um, wouldn't miss it. We're so happy to be back. It's been fantastic. I mean, this is our first con since the pandemic. Have you had a chance to attend any others? Yeah, so or? We, we were at the uh, Expo. Yeah. Um, so we were at Expo last year and this year. Um, but this is the first year that we're back on the full rotation of Fantastic. Of shows. Yeah, fantastic. Has it been a busy one for you so far? Uh, the, the convention? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah massively really good so yeah. yesterday was manic yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> in a good way yeah. in a good yeah, yeah. way in a good way in the way we like so, yeah. so I think our, our listeners will probably be familiar with your products with uh, obviously your Samsung uh, Reaper minis here yeah. but uh, certainly I've known you for the fantastic uh dungeon tiles that you create as well yeah. but you're here demoing something else as well that uh, I haven't seen you guys uh, bring uh, before so do you want to tell us a bit about this game you've been working on? Yeah, of course yeah so uh, Rosemond Manor is the name of the, the game and it's a dungeon delving narrative story driven uh, game mm-hmm. um, lots of choice points lots of ways to affect the outcome of the various quests and bits and pieces um, I actually started writing Rosemond Manor about 10 years ago before I started doing right, the tiles. Wow, and the yeah. idea was that I was going to do the tiles to make some quick money yeah. to fund the board game. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then the tiles did really, really well <laughs> and I didn't have time to do the board game. Yeah. So, but then obviously we had... Um, so I dipped into it in and out and like mm. played with the rules and bits and pieces. But obviously we had the pandemic yeah. um, and when people aren't playing face-to-face they don't buy 3D tiles. No. Um, so it gave me effectively two years off from the tiles. Mm-hmm. Um, in the nicest way possible. Yes. Uh, and I just thought, well, now or never, so I'll get it done. Yeah. Um, and we're pretty much at the stage where uh, it can be released. So this year at the conventions, we're um, bringing it along, getting people to play test it, give us feedback, tell mm. us if they like it, um, and then we'll be looking at uh, bringing it out next year. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, uh, so Ryan's here as well. Tom- Tom, Tom has left us. He's abandoned us. Rude. Yeah. Uh, but we've we've actually just been having a quick demo of the game. Uh, so it's uh, basically a, a cooperative dungeon crawl. One player is playing the GM, which uh, yeah. I like. I think a lot of the dungeon crawls have moved away from having someone as a dedicated GM as well. Yeah. But I think it works because 
I've certainly played a few, which we won't mention on this recording, <laughs> where the AI deck doesn't really work yeah. <laughs> quite as or well. It works too well, and you cannot get a turn. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Well, what were your thoughts when we were playing through this, Ryan? Um, seeing how um, the GM seat has a lot of, um, because it is a random uh, map that you generate with yourself, um, there could be a long, a long period of like nothing really happening. But when the um, the player who's the GM seat essentially has the chance to alter or spawn monsters in or change how things roll for you, mm -hmm. uh, it adds a little bit of um, replayability uh, to to the whole concept. I um, I was playing the wizard type, uh, a lot of like blaster, a lot of um, uh, uh, magic damage, a lot, um, not a lot of skills everywhere else, but. For the demo that we played, I could see a lot of potential for combining abilities and like uh, figuring out the best way to play this combination of classes. Yeah. It is functionally two groups of class cards mashed together for um, this role that I'm playing with. Yeah. Uh, so each of the, the classes that we demoed have two decks that come together to combine to make your class. Yeah. So I was wondering, is there a is there a potential, uh, I know that these are potentially three set options, is there a potential for a fighter to take some mage cards, or is it set to... So, um, there is no reason why that couldn't happen. Yeah. Um, so, the way it works is there's a power source, mm. so arcane, martial, scoundrel, or holy. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then you have a class deck, so mage, rogue, barbarian, mm. whichever it happens to be. So, the classes are tied to the power sources that make sense, so yes. you know, the fighter is a martial character, yeah. Yeah. but there is actually no real reason why you couldn't mix the fighter cards with the holy cards, you're just going yeah, to lose out on some of the, you lose out on the basic martial cards, yeah. you're replacing those with heals and you know, yeah. those sort of powers, so, um, although in the basic game, that's not included there's no reason sure. why you couldn't do it yeah. yeah and actually we've got a list of characters to release mm -hmm. now like within they, yeah they do yeah. sort of mix but okay when you're when you're leveling up you get to pick a class specialization as well and that yes. changes your class power cards mm -hmm. and your class skills mm -hmm. so there's a lot of customization yeah anyway so you could play two wizards completely differently without yeah. mixing the cards together. You were mentioning so. the, the elementalist type, which we yep. don't hear, have here, but uh, seeing how this one plays, which is just uh, stand, like a traditional blaster wizard, I would very much like to see like how the different classes play. Sure. Uh, this, um, it seems like you have a lot of room for customizability, not just in the deck, but in how you play your character. Yep. Well. Yeah, absolutely. We haven't even touched on one of the what I think is one of the main selling points. Um, obviously, in this demo version that we've been playing, we've been using your own tiles that you yep. produce. But there's actually no reason why you need to use any specific set Absolutely of tiles. Not. You were saying yeah. absolutely not. So the whole game is built around only needing the basic core rule books and the basic cards. And the basic cards will be free to download from the website after you bought the rule book. You'll get a code which will allow you to download them, mm. so you can print them at home. Um, but there will be no miniatures in the base game and there will be no uh, tiles or terrain in the base game. Yeah. And the idea behind that is that you can play it with anything that you happen to have. Yeah. So if you've got a dry erase board, 
Mm -hmm. You could, yeah, you can play it on that if you've got some of our tiles. Yeah. First of all, thank you. But also, you can play it on that. And um, you know, you can play it on graph paper. Um, there's lots of other tiles out there by other yeah. companies that you can use. You could use stuff from other board games. You know, whatever it is that you happen to have laying around. Because what you need is you need the story and the rules mm -hmm. and, the, and the cards. And uh, even down to we have custom di a custom dice mechanic. Yeah. They're all based on D12s, and the rulebook has a conversion chart. So yeah. you can just use normal D12s. You Ex don't need that. You don't even dice. need the special dice for it. No. I mean, I they obviously make it a bit easier to work out yeah. what's going on, but you, you don't need them to play. Yeah, them. and I think like it, it, we had on our panel uh, is tabletop open to all. Someone in the audience raised the, the the brilliant question of you know economic access to games. Yeah. So I think that's a really good selling point that you can play this dungeon crawl game. But one of the downsides of a lot of dungeon crawls is the cost. 75 upwards of yeah. 100 pounds. Yes, they come with the tiles, the minis, their, their own packs of cards mm -hmm. that you can use. Yeah. But if you get, if you ask the player to print them all at home and just have the PDF of the book, then like that is a lower barrier to entry. And it, like all you're going to need is a bunch of D12s, which yep. if you are already playing D&D, you'd have a slew of them. A lot of them unloved and unrolled, you might, you might say. Speak for yourself, I play almost <laughs> exclusively barbarians. <laughs> man off the man off. Yeah, coming from a caster or cleric background, I don't use a D12, but, yeah. um, but you will have a lot of them to hand. Uh, if not, like they are easy to come across. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. And um, the other point as well is that, uh, you know, as far as, uh, as the entry level is concerned, um, I want people to play the game. You know, I've, I've not. Well, to some people, it might seem a bit backwards, but I haven't written a game to make a ton of money off of it. I've yeah. written a game for people to play. Yeah. Because yeah, it's the same with the tiles as well. At heart, I'm a gamer and I love gaming. Yeah. And I want people to game. Yeah. So you know, I don't. So I'm not interested in money, but it's not the most important thing to me. Yeah. I would rather see people playing the game, and you know, than, than not because I've chosen to do odd stuff with it or, or yeah. add more stuff in that you know, yeah. isn't necessary to, to start with as it were. If I, if I may say like the way that you were talking about the backstory to each of these characters and the background of the manor itself, I think that comes across like the, the, the playing first and like if you make some money great you can put that into like making more content. Correct. And like I want to just say that that does come across. Oh thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. It's very so, important to me. So uh, you mentioned that uh, obviously we've got the demo version here right now, uh, but you're hoping to get this out to the public in the next year, is that That's correct? That's right, yeah, and um, to help that along, at the moment we've got on the website, um, on our website, you can go on and you can, um, for £10 you can buy the print and play playtest, yep. which is all the cards we have here, mm -hmm. uh, plus the intro uh, adventure and basic dungeon crawling yeah. rules, um, and you can help us playtest the game. You can print all the stuff out at home, you can give us the feedback, and you'll uh, see uh, as changes are made, we'll get to play test them so we can make sure that the game that we put out is the best game that we can put out. Fantastic. And I honestly think I'm going to be picking this up right Yeah, now. same, same. I definitely want to uh, dive more into this. So, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, what is that website that they can it's go visit? www.dmbgames.co.uk. And of course, we'll pop that in our show notes as well. Andy, thank you very much for your time. Enjoy the rest of the con. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you. Thanks.
Hello, it's uh, it's Unlucky Frog ga Gaming here, still at Tabletop Scotland on the Sunday. It's Josh and Ryan. Say hello, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Yeah, there we go. And we're joined by John Hodgson of Handiwork Games. How are you doing, John? Yeah, good, good. Having a really busy day, busy weekend, in fact. So, yeah, yeah, terrific, terrific. You're one of the main sponsors for the uh, weekend uh, uh, here. So has, has it been busy for you guys? What, what's been going on? So it's been really busy. Yesterday was absolutely crazy busy. Mm -hmm. um, we actually did more sales on Saturday here at UK at Tabletop Scotland than we did on the Saturday at UK Games Expo. Oh Saturday. wow! So right. Blew our minds. Yeah. Um, I think we've got we've got a bigger booth. We've got more stuff on sale here, so mm -hmm. that yeah, understandable. But but yeah. amazing. Love the show. It's why we sponsor it. Really good. You know, really support what, what the team are doing here. So yeah. Yeah. Terrific. Yeah. Terrific. Cool. Now that I've actually taken a look around your booth, I don't think I've seen like I've gone a couple of minutes without seeing somebody carrying around a Beowulf book. Oh, that's or, good. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good sign. Yeah. I think we'll sell out of Beowulf um, before the end of the show. A state as well. A, a state's the new thing at the show from us. Yeah. Yeah, and so so just just for our listeners, Beowulf, it's a, a supplement that can be used for fifth edition D and D. Right. Is that yep. correct? Yeah. Yep. And A State is a standalone RPG yep. in its own right. Yeah. Yeah, and it uses the Forged in the Dark rules, but it's right. completely yeah. standalone. Yeah. Yeah. Those those Terrific. licenses work. In so categories. yeah. So I mean, going to go go out on a limb here and guess that Beowulf is based around Anglo-Saxon sort of legends, that yeah, sort yeah, of setting. Yeah. Early medieval stuff, you're not wrong, yeah. Fantastic. Sort of fa fantastical early medieval. Um, it skews pretty close to history, all yeah. the weapons and armour and everything, it's all thoroughly researched, but there's monsters as well, so it's, yeah, yeah it's of course. realistic, we're not really the right yeah, to use, yeah. but it's very much grounded in history. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and A-State, what's, what's the setting for that game like? So that game is set in somewhere called The City, that is this absolutely massive city, funnily mm -hmm. enough, there's nothing outside of the city at right. all. And everyone is more or less captive there. There's it, it, it's dystopian sci-fi with loads of different sort of technology levels within the city, from sort of Dickensian slums right up to far future technology. There's a huge economic disparity yeah. between you know, rich and poor. Um, Sounds delightful. Yeah, it's lovely. It's really <laughs> happy setting, and nothing goes wrong for anyone ever. No, it's, really, it's all about you are troublemakers trying to make your corner of the city better yeah. um, and fight back the forces that are you know keeping people down. So. Terrific, terrific. And that's not all that you've uh, brought with you this weekend. Um, in fact, not only are you a game designer, but I believe your son is also a game <laughs> designer. Uh, we didn't we, we didn't play The Forest Dragon by Rory, age nine. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But we have played the sequel, uh, Bang and Twang, uh, by Rory. Uh, how, how old is Rory now? It's not Rory's on the box. Rory's now uh, 15. 15. So, oh. yeah, no, he's doing well. He's doing but well, he's also doing... a, a collaboration uh, between... Uh, him, yourself, and uh, his younger brother his as younger well, brother Ben. His younger brother Ben was involved in Bang and Twang. Yes, it was hard to stop him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the general theme of it in our house. Yeah, we've yeah. actually just been playing. A, it's a really quick card game. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, got, was it even five minutes that we played it? I don't even think it was that. No, yeah, it was like a very quick pace. It's a really quick round. We'll yeah. normally play three rounds, you know. Yeah, very yeah. easy to pick up, very easy to understand. The only, I think the, the thing we had the most time with was actually counting up the points at the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, lo I love the aesthetic of it as well. It reminds me of oh, what's the name of it? Quentin Blake. 
you know oh, the guy who yeah, used yeah, to yeah. do all the Roald Dahl oh, the illustrations yeah. it looks it looks like that very really really nice game really Thank nice you. game um, so uh, obviously you're going to be here uh, for the rest of the weekend but what else is on the horizon for you guys at Handiwork so we are just finishing off fulfillment of A-State uh, at US Backers that's okay. all that just takes a little bit longer to get that yeah. done then we start fulfillment on uh, we kickstarted a selection of adventures for Beowulf that we have the print books in our warehouse now so as soon Fantastic. as A-State's done those will start to go out we just finished the kickstarter for a side project of mine called Mask Witches of Forgotten Doggerland which right. was a week-long campaign that I expected to raise maybe £2,000 if we are lucky. Okay. We finished just shy of £22,000. I don't really know what happened now. I'm still in shock. We really struck a chord. It's just double-checking yeah. the, the, the numbers. Yeah, yeah. Is, there, is that zero meant to be there? Um, so that's taken up a lot of time the week before this yeah. event, uh, unexpectedly. We, you may know, we got no new signage at the event because I was busy doing that. Yeah. Um, but that will uh, come out in PDF very soon. The game's written, all the artwork's made. It's just a case of pulling layout together, and that'll be out. Uh, hopefully, well, yeah, we're at the end of August, so I'm hoping towards the end of September, early October, the PDF that that will come out. Yeah. That's uh, a setting for us, a Mesolithic sort of psychedelic setting for a game we I wrote called The Silver Road, which is a storytelling role-playing game. Okay. Very lightweight indeed, yeah. so you need to like that sort of thing. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, that, and that's going well as well. We've got all the books for that here as well. Terrific, so. terrific. Yeah. So just for our listeners, uh, if they want to find out more about you guys and what you do, where, uh, what website do they need to go to? So go to www.handywork.games. Fantastic. John, thank you very much. Thank Enjoy you. the rest of the con. All right, great. Cheers. Hello, it's Unlucky Frog Gaming here, still at Tabletop Scotland. This is uh, Josh, and we've got Tom. Hello. And Ryan. Hello. And we're joined by Mark McKinnon of Wreck and Ruin fame. Hello. Hey, how's it going, man? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, great, thanks. Great. How has the convention been for, for you this weekend? It's been great. Uh, we've been flat out for heat for the last two days, running demos for our Waters of Waldengrad. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Lots of, lots of good feedback. Lots yeah, of, well, I was because I was going to say I know I, I introduced you as your old moniker, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we've just been playing Wardens of Wolvengrad ourselves. So why don't you tell our listeners a bit about what the game is? Yeah, so it's a, a cooperative monster hunting boss battler. So four players with unique decks are coming up against a variety of monsters and basically first to die loses. Yeah. Uh, try to kill it, try to use your ability to try and mitigate as much of the yeah. bad stuff, which we all know now is, is a thing. Yep. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, well, we uh, we just went up against the Razor Tusk. Uh, we called time before. Yeah. Uh, before you didn't win. Us. You didn't win. Yeah, it's <laughs> technically a draw. Technically a draw. Whilst we were limping um, away. But yeah, no, it was fun. Very hard. Oh, yeah. This is one of the high level bosses, right? No, no, that's a starting monster. No, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a, that's this is the short tutorial. That's the hooking guy over there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you, you, you've got the second level uh, monster here as well. Yeah. So we've got the Razor Tusk, which is the kind of basic starting monster, mm-hmm. and then we've got the Acid Maw, who likes to spit acid all over the board. Like yeah. imagine this, but with a ranged attack. Going. <laughs> yeah. No. No. No, I don't no. want to. I don't want to. I mean, I was playing a uh, Creve who. Um, is the barbarian? Yeah. So yeah. I was having fun just dealing lots of damage, Creed taking smash. lots of da- yeah, taking lots of damage, but also dealing lots of damage. Yeah. 
uh, so that's yeah. fine. So I was playing Shadow, the scout, who is all about predicting the monster's movement, soothing the monster, and throwing out a decoy to get, or like, miss, you know, trying to determine where to put the monster so that everybody else can get in on it. Uh, continuing the theme, uh, I was playing Torvax the Trapper. Uh, so he's a bit more utility. I kind of felt it does a, a little bit of kind of a uh, little bit of damage, a little bit of healing, had a bit of a mixed bag of stuff. Um, but he was quite cool. I like kind of being able to, to support the party a bit and give him some buffs and uh, help him out. And then we had uh, our, our guide playing as um, Artoria. Artoria. Yeah. What's Artoria's deal? She's a tank. Okay. Uh, so she's basically there to, to kind of control Creeve a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there was always the, I'm going in. No, you're getting swapped. I'm going to take this hit. Yeah. This <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, no, it, it was it was a great fun. So are you, where in the development stage are you with this? So the foundation, I'd say, is, is pretty solid. Now. I don't think there's much to, to play about with there. Um, it's basically just now working on the campaign art, so making sure that the, the difficulty type of the monsters also matches the the gear yeah. unlocks as you go. Sure. So that because uh, whilst we were fighting the monster, we were pulling bits off it, and we could take those bits in, in the campaign and like use those to make your gear. Yeah, exactly. So for every three tokens that you pull out the monster's health bag, you break a little bit off. Yeah. Also, if you clear one of the areas, you get a unique part of that monster yeah. as well. So that's where you proper you come in with your Razor Tusk cape. Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> we're we're yeah. hearing about like you get uh, armor that increases your speed equal to the amount Rage, of time. Yeah. yeah, Razor Creature has. That sounds like uh, thematic upgrades uh, will sell me on a game at any point. Like if you, if you are literally doing the Monster Hunter things and the gear you get is like the monster that you've just fought, that is always a win for me. So uh, I like the idea of welding to giant tusks together making a cool bow yeah, out yeah. It, and then doing like a proper like Arnold Schwarzenegger just like come out right back mm -hmm. like so we've seen Razor Saw and you've got Acid more can you give us a, a hint about any of the other monsters that are in, in line yeah so what we're currently what we're kind of balancing just now is the rock height okay. which is best described as an armoured gorilla okay. nice uh, nice. So what he does is he's he like towers, he's like double the height of a man. Okay. And uh, it basically just just strolls, like he's not even fast, he just strolls casually around the map. Yeah. yeah, but what he likes to do is he likes to attack multiple people. He likes yeah. to he'll walk over, pick one guy up, and he'll go, hmm, what's happening over here? And pick the two of them up and then just hit them off each other and throw them away. So I like it. Yeah, you ever been so mad you hit somebody with somebody else? Yeah. So mm. he does stuff like that. He does. He's got a bowl over, so he literally pick one guy up and throw him at somebody else. He will bear hug them. He does all these kind of nasty things. that basically just. He doesn't care if people are hitting him. He's just like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And as you've seen, the monsters have weak spots. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Rokai's weak spot is his face. Oh, oh no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so the only way you're going to hurt him. Is to get up in his if, you, if you play along with him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With someone called Rockhide, that sounds like he's going to be some good armor to farm as well. Down yeah. The yeah, so what happens is, so you've seen with the Razor Tusk, the special tokens increase rage. Mm -hmm. Special tokens for him, he's got a separate card. Right. But he starts off with just one armor. But every yeah. time you pull out a special token, it increases his armor. So it goes out. So he basically grows it, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's cool. Uh, but what happens is, when he gets to four, 
basically instead of pulling any of these cards, you flip it and it's got a nasty attack where basically it just runs and kind of belly flops <laughs> on top of you. It doesn't matter where you're on the map, no way to save. Have, having played Monster Hunter, I can visualise like the big lumbering animation before the belly flop yeah. comes in. So yeah. it kind of comes up like this, but basically it's like a giant kind of a haymaker. Yeah. And what it does is it sends you, it, it pushes you infinite which basically means hits you to the edge of the board. Right. But it avoids everything in between, so it's literally mm. an air launch. <laughs> like, so nice. you're just, yeah. whether there's rocks, whether there's other players in the way, you just whee! Also, it, it, will there be terrain on this? Because uh, like, just for the benefit of our listeners here, we, we seem to be in some sort of open forest clearing here. But will the full game have like terrain features as well? Definitely, yes. Yeah. So there's three types of terrain. Right. We've got rocks, basically to hide behind more than anything yeah yeah obviously being a threat uh we have water basically just slows you down but there may or may not be fire monsters later on okay um and also brush so basically you can hide in the brush now it's not that the monster isn't aware that you're there it's more just you're too much hassle to get to right now so he will target you but there's like rambles in the way. He'd yeah. rather get somebody else, but yeah. you get an advantage basically of jumping out, you get extra cards, you're like, ah, ah, nice. I'll nice. get you now. So so what happens is each each fight basically you'll have a deck of map cards. Yeah. So mm. for the Acid Moth, for instance, he you fight him in a cave. Right. right. So he has multiple different cave configurations. So mm. you'll you'll get a random Selection. It'll yeah. tell you which cards to draw from, but then you'll see up the map. Yeah, I can around. see here on, on the hex cards we got with A1, so this is like Grasslands 1. Yeah. Right, okay. So, yeah, so this, the, the bog standard fight is just like this, but the, for instance, the Acid Mall would remove the sentry tile, so right. it'd be like a rock column, yeah. and it would basically it'd sit on the edge as the entrance to the, to the cave. Uh, okay, yeah. Nice. So you have different configurations so you like have that. a lot less room to move through. So basically, yeah. yeah, all of a sudden you're you're kind of backed in a corner a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, for the for the benefit of the viewers at home, we've just see, had our entire world we've changed by <laughs> two yeah. tiles sliding away from each other. Is the plan to bring this to Kickstarter then? Yeah. So the Kickstarter preview page is actually live just now. So oh, right. the project has been accepted purely mm. to to get people straight onto it. So. I've not done any advertising, I've got 150 people signed up for it already. Okay, so. fantastic. Good good position to start from. Is, uh, is one of your Kickstarter add-ons going to be a catapult to launch the minis when they get knocked up in the air? <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it like that new ice cool game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> up to the so, next level. So if our listeners want to find out more, what, where should they go to online? Uh, so we've got... On Facebook, you've got the Dream Big page. Yeah. We've also got the Warden of Waldengrad group. Um, so they can join us on there. Yeah. Um, all the usual Instagram, Twitter, find me under Dream Big Games mm-hmm. on there as well. And it's on Kickstarter, so you can find the preview page. There, it's a pinned post on Facebook. Yeah. Also, if you've got Tabletop Simulator, the first monsters on there. So oh, right. yeah, excellent. Yeah. You can go fight it yourself and see what we're talking about. So. Fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, Mark, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of the con. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Have a good Cheers. Time, Cheers. Bye. Hi, folks. Uh, Editor Josh here. It's uh, Thursday, first of September, and I've just been going through editing all the interviews from Tabletop Scotland as well as uh, the various seminars, which should already be up 
on the podcast. Just thought I'd uh, close this episode off just with a couple of other things that we didn't uh, manage to capture on tape. Um, I stuck around until the Monday morning and had a game of Ark Nova, the wonderful cat and Rob from I Play Red, uh, attempted to teach, well, I say attempted, successfully taught me to teach it uh, very late in the <laughs> in the evening. Uh, really fun Euro game. I haven't played a game like that in so long. It seems that we've been pretty much all consumed by Dungeons and Dragons and Games Workshops, various stuff over the past few months. Um, I got to a point where I could actually play the game functionally, but uh, I still have no clue of how to win. Safe to say, I got my ass handed to me. That's to be expected in your first game, though. So uh, thank you very much, Cat and Rob, for hanging out and teaching me that. Um, I think the only closing thing to say, and we'll we'll probably cover it off on the next episode when we've got both uh, Tom and Ryan on the sh- on the recording as well, was just how how nice it was it was to be back playing face to face. It it feels like an, a lifetime ago since the last convention that I went to, which must have been must have been UK Games Expo twenty nineteen. So. Just to be back at a con, seeing the vendors, see, seeing a lot of people face-to-face for the first time in uh, goodness knows how long, and actually sitting down and playing games with people. It's reminded me why I love this hobby so much. It's, uh, it's that, it's the people. So um, safe to say we had an absolute blast. Thank you very much to uh, Dave Wright, John Harper, Simon Harper, and of course, all the volunteers at Tabletop Scotland as well for putting together such a terrific event. Thank you for all of our panellists as well and the audience uh, who came along. Thank you for everyone who came along to our pub quiz on uh, Saturday night as well. It was a bit of a photo finish with the uh, closing time for the uh, convention centre. Um, but yeah, had a terrific time. Looking forward to the next one. Take care, guys. Bye. Thank you.